And then there's that apathy. You just, okay, I show up. I do what I'm told. I don't care anymore. That's that compassion fatigue, you know. And then once we get down that line, we really just feel disconnected from ourselves, from our job, from our family, from anything that really matters to us. And we're getting into those deeper levels. And then, you know, at the very end, we're really just feeling unsupported, invisible. Um, we're feeling directionless and isolated. And, and these are all the things that I have seen in the people I've worked with. How can meditation and related practices and concepts guide nurses from burnout and despair to a sense of relief and joy in their personal and professional lives? Let's talk all about it with nurse and immersive meditation guide and growth coach, Betsy Thompson, right here on episode 439 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is about you and your personal and professional development, your career and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the Growing Nurse Keith Nation. If you'd like to help other people find the show, you can always leave a rating and review on Apple or Google or Amazon or Spotify, or just share the show with anyone you think would enjoy it or get something out of it. And please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. I appreciate my patrons so much. You can give as little as $2 a month to support the show. If you give a little bit more, there are prizes and premiums that I will send you in U.S. mail. Imagine that. You would get something in your mailbox. But I appreciate you all so much, however you would like to support the show. The show notes are always at NurseKeith.com in the drop-down menu labeled Podcasts. And they're also in any app where you happen to be listening. And like I said, we are here with my new friend and colleague, Betsy Thompson, calling in from Michigan. And Betsy's an immersive meditation guide and growth coach. And Betsy, the first thing I want to ask you is what drew you from being a nurse into the world of meditation and growth coaching? And could you explain just sort of like your origin story? Sure. First, thank you, Keith, for having me here. It's been great to meet you and get to know you a little bit. Um, yeah, so I have been a critical care nurse for, I think I'm at 16 years now. Um, and along my journey, um, you know, lots of time at the bedside um, and in management, lower management and education in critical care. So that's most of my background. But um, in 2019, I just experienced complete burnout from being in the ICU, from being a nurse in general. And I didn't know what burnout was at the time. I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing, but it caused me to actually step away from the bedside um, and take a break from nursing altogether. Not sure if I was going to even continue being a nurse. Um, mm -hmm. I stepped away. And um, the things I was experiencing were just um, compassion fatigue, you know, just that level of compassion that I used to feel for my colleagues and my patients uh, just wasn't there. 
Um, I was really irritable all the time uh, with my children, even at home, with my colleagues, with my patients, with the family members, um, really having trouble focusing. All of those things that I didn't know were part of burnout um, and the whole syndrome of burnout. And so as I experienced those things, it just became harder and harder and harder to walk into work every day. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know what that was. You know, I was doing things on the back end to try to combat it. I was exercising regularly. I was eating healthy and, you know, all the, all the things that they say you're supposed to do to take care of yourself. Um, but it just wasn't enough. So I stepped away and, uh, and like I said, that was 2019. So that was pre-pandemic. And then mm. the pandemic hit. And I'm sitting at home contemplating my entire identity, basically, and uh, watching my friends and my former colleagues um, just suffer at the bedside. They were short-staffed. You know, the ICUs were getting overloaded with the really severe cases. Um and I had that guilty feeling of, you know, I have this skill set. I'm, I'm a good ICU nurse and I'm just watching. I can't do that. So thinking that time off was the answer, you know, I went back to the bedside um, in a travel capacity. And I quickly learned that just the time off wasn't the answer. It, it wasn't the answer. After I think the second contract that I did, I was right where it right back to where I was before, really struggling um, walking into work again. I had that insane fatigue and the um, inability to just find that compassion. And, and we were in a crisis, you know? So um, that is when I just got desperate. I was grasping at straws. I was looking for anything to feel better. And I came across meditation and just started by doing a three-minute YouTube meditation, just a random meditation I found on YouTube in my car before walking in. And uh, within two weeks, I had coworkers saying, hey, I'm going to come chart and sit by you because I, I need some of your calm vibes to wear off on me. And, you know, I did the whole swivel, the swivel neck there. Like, I'm sorry, are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm not known as the person to be relaxed at work, you know, I was pretty intense. So I realized that meditation was working. Even that little tiny bit of meditation was working. And so I, I really just dove in with both feet, like, okay, if, if this is helping, then let's, then let's do it. Let's commit to it. So shortly after that, a few months later, I, I got into a program to learn how to um, facilitate meditation. And that's kind of where that journey began. And once I saw how big of an effect it had on me, I um, kind of pulled all my friends in, you know, I'm like, Hey, let me try this on you. And it was really just helping people. So that was, that was the beginning of that journey. Um, and now it's just, it's my passion to help other people. I don't want people, other nurses, other healthcare professionals to feel that sense of despair, that deep, deep sense of despair that I had to really just contemplate leaving the profession. Cause I love this profession. Wow. It's quite a story. And, you know, the word despair really sticks out to me. And the fact that you were at that place right before the pandemic, like before, you know, before the feces hit the fan, really, you know, <laughs> and also the fact that you, you, you knew enough and felt enough to know that you had to do something because I think many of us get to that place of knowing we have to do something, but sometimes we don't do it. 
or anything at all. And I've spoken on this show many times about how my my ex-wife like grabbed me by the scruff of the neck when I was obviously burnt out and said, you need to do something, right? Right. <laughs> and, I quit my, and I quit my job. You know, sometimes we need somebody to tell us or force us like a spouse, right? Or a child being like, daddy, you're not the same as you used to be or mm. something like that. And the fact that you, you, you said that you kind of came across meditation. So the question I had for you is, you, I'm sure you'd heard of it before, but it had never been part of your life. It had never been a practice you dabbled in. Like it was just completely like something you brought into your life that had never been there before. So uh, my dad, actually, um, mm. who I look look up to very much, he is an avid uh, meditator and I would visit with him and he would do his whole morning ritual and sit in his chair and listen to music and meditate for, you know, however long. And my kids, you know, his grandkids would be climbing all over his lap and doing all the things. And he would just, you know, he's been a real example of this Zen, you know, person, um, for lack of better words. But I always had the stance that, you know, he's retired. Great. He's got all the time in the world. I'm too busy for that. Like, how could it make that big of a difference? And that's great. You know, like I said, you have all the time in the world. It. I didn't see the value in it um, for somebody who had a busy schedule, who had things to do. I've got a list a mile long of tasks I need to accomplish, right? Um, so, I had that example in the background, um, but it, it took a it took a lot of pain and suffering to think to try that. And and like I said, it was really only because I had tried all of the traditional things that were told are the solutions, right? I tried the exercise. I tried the you know I tried talking to someone. I tried the the diets, the healthy diets. You know, sleep. I had actually pretty good sleep practices. I tried all these things, and it just you know it mm. just wasn't working. So. Yeah, because you needed, you knew there was a new frontier for you. And so you found it worked for you. And you said you pulled in all your friends. You were like, let me try this on you. And you learned how to facilitate meditation. What, what was the impetus to say, oh, okay, so now I'm going to turn this on my colleagues. Like I'm actually going to maybe even make a business out of it and offer this as a, like a, I guess you would call a service. Um, how did you make that decision to decide to sort of really make something of it other than, oh, I'm going to help my friends? Right. So, you know, once I found out that it worked and that it really did, I, I found relief. I really did. Find, and, and quickly, quickly found relief. Um I pulled them all in just to share it. And mm -hmm. I was just, you know, just exploring what was out there. So I convinced my boss at the time to allow me to hold like 15 minute sessions so people could come down on their break. And I set a room and, you know, all of my own free time or whatever. And it was really, I was looking for that proof of concept. Was this reproducible? And so a lot of my colleagues came down and, and joined in these short meditations just because we were friends and they were just trying to support me in my endeavors. But then, you know, the thing that happened was they were like, wow, I didn't expect to get anything out of that. I didn't expect that to um, do anything for me, but it really did. Like, I can't believe that just one 10 minute, you know, meditation would change um, something. And so just by uh, when I was getting trained in guiding meditations, 
Um, they also support uh, entrepreneurs that want to make it into a business. And so I started thinking, well, maybe this is possible. You know, maybe this is something that um, I can do. And I started looking at other things that people do with their nursing license and stumbled across some other nurse entrepreneurs that are are doing kind of the non-traditional roles with their nursing license. And so that's really what kind of pushed that. And And really, I just couldn't keep something that was so valuable to myself, you know, I, I still have that nurse's soul that wants to just give and give and give and give. So mm-hmm. um, that's really, you know, a big part of what drives it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's guided meditation. And I know that's one of your your great gifts. But then there's also something that you call growth coaching. So you do the meditation, but where does the actual coaching come in? Because when I look at your website, it talks about addressing subconscious beliefs, goal misalignment, motivation misalignment, boundary issues, you know, the things that that feed into our, you know, our discontent and our burnout and our unhappiness. So where does it come into where you're actually working with people beyond the meditation itself? How does that all kind of come together? Sure. So I kind of did things backwards. When I was making my, we'll call it a program um, for burnout specifically, I didn't necessarily research anything um, for burnout. I went with my own experience and kind of laid out the things that drove me to burnout once I retrospectively looked at everything. And I formulated this whole um, meditation and coaching program around the things that I experienced. And so things like you said, um, reprogramming self-limiting beliefs and negative self-talk, addressing unhealthy sleep practices, establishing boundaries, these things, uncovering core values and really that energy and time management, and then just making room for joy. Uh, I, I created this program to address all the things that I had experienced. And then when I started doing the research, I found that the things that are out there, you know, really talk about these same things. So I was in complete alignment with what the research was saying and what other things were were saying, which was really um, a self-affirming that I was on the right path for me. Um, but the way that I do it is, you know, what I do is different from just mindfulness. I'm not teaching people to just sit back and be an unbiased, non-judgmental observer. Okay, so that's mindfulness. Great, great practice. I completely support it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is go a, a step further. What I do is connect people with their intuition, with their inner voice. And, and it takes a little bit of work because we tend to stuff that down, hide it, um, write it off because we're doing, right? We're doing tasks. So I use the meditation to connect people with their own intuition. And then once we get to that place and we can get to that place through meditation, that's when the coaching comes in where um, I ask the very specific directed questions in the meditation so that they can hear their own answers. I'm not giving advice. I'm not giving um, direction. I'm just guiding people to slow their body down, shift their physiology, listen to their own intuition to hear their own answers, what their own body is trying to tell them, what their own spirit is trying to tell them. Because really, that's where our alignment is. You know, if we were each following what we are meant to do here on this earth, 
we experience that joy and satisfaction and relief. And when we're constantly, for lack of better words, doing what we're told or following someone else's path, you know, that's where our energy can get misaligned and, and we really feel stuck and tired. And it's not physical exhaustion. It's, I call it next level exhaustion. It's that nurse tired, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's really where the the coaching and the meditation meld together. I see. So people come to you and they learn these techniques and then these other, I guess you'd say, issues arise, right? And then you can address them with them and you lead them to solutions. And through the process of, you know, your own healing and working with many people at this point, you've probably found the universalities, like the commonalities between most of the nurses who experience what we would call burnout or compassion fatigue. So what are the cardinal signs? You know, some of us may have some of them, some of them, some of us may look at colleagues and be like, mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> right. so what would you say are the cardinal signs? So first, burnout has been around long before the pandemic. The World Health yeah. Organization, you know, established it as a as an ICD-10 or a 9, I think we were at then, diagnosis mm-hmm. in 2017. So this isn't a new thing, but the pandemic brought light to it, right? And so the textbook definition of burnout, they're, they're talking about um, things like uh, depersonalization, um, things like that. But when I look at it, the real world things that you see, if you will, of burnout are things like the next level exhaustion. No matter how much sleep you're getting, you still feel tired. And that's that energy depletion, Um, that low level illness. So like migraines, gut issues, you know, like just constant malaise. Mm -hmm. Because when we're running like this and our energy is depleted, we are, our immune system is shot and we just have these constant things, right? Um, that irritation, that short fuse, you're quick to snap. Um, like I, I saw it a lot with my children, with my spouse and my coworkers at work. And then there's that apathy. You just, okay, I show up, I do what I'm told. I don't care anymore. That's that compassion fatigue, you know? And then once we get down that line, we really just feel disconnected from ourselves, from our job, from our family, from anything that really matters to us. And we're getting into those deeper levels and then, you know, at the very end, we're really just feeling um, unsupported, invisible. Um, we're feeling directionless and isolated. And and these are all the things that I have seen in the people I've worked with is, you know, it's it's a continuum. So different people have different things. But those are the general, you know, I say six things that we really that manifest in our in our lives when we're burnt mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So these these aren't just anecdotal either. I mean. If you read any articles on burnout in healthcare professionals, these are pretty universal. They are. And yeah. And then, you know, we do have the the more, I guess you would call them quote unquote clinical symptoms, you know, people who experience major depressive episodes, anxiety disorders, you know, suicidality, you know, things like that. So we can also not to pathologize, but there are there are, you know, mental health issues and actual diagnoses that will surface when we've been beaten down and and 
we haven't cared for ourselves very mm-hmm. well and our work is taking that level of a toll. Right. You know, I've talked to many nurses, I'm sure you have too, who get to that point of, you know, like you use the word despair. Mm-hmm. We could also use the word desperation. There's plenty of ways we could characterize it. And I know we don't have exact statistics on nurse suicide, but we do know that Basically, one physician a day in this country takes their life, you know, and then there's all the others who are just, who are suicidal, but maybe don't right. attempt. So that's pretty significant. And we can extrapolate that out to non-doctors, you know, nurses, um, social workers, et cetera. Absolutely. So we know it's an issue. So the work you're doing is super important. And um, before we take a break, I just wanted to ask you, who finds you, you know, and what are the paths people take to find you? You know, are they, where do they get to in order to realize like you might be the right person to guide them out of this morass that they're stuck in? Sure, sure. So the work that I do, it does take somebody who has the gumption to look within because it's not easy work to, you know, self-reflect and, and keep, and keep digging. And a lot of the people that I've worked with are at that crossroads. Do I stay a nurse or do I not stay a nurse? Right. We've poured all this money and energy and time into this profession, but they are so desperate that they can't even see a future in nursing anymore. So when they come to me, they've already tried the the usually the counseling and and they have addressed their mental health issues, um, the people that I've worked with. So, you know, that absolutely has its place and is very valuable for for us as a as a profession and as people in general. Um, but when they've come to me, they've tried those things. They've tried all those other, you know, check marks. And and now they're just really ready to dive into the, um, all of the things that have been buried for so long. Yeah, that's, that's really, it takes somebody who is ready to do the work for sure. Cause mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's a, it's a long process. You know, the people that promise the quick fix solutions, um, probably don't have a full solution. You know, it it does take time. These things didn't happen overnight. We didn't get burnt out overnight. It is a long stretch, you know, with a lot of factors. And so it takes time to solve the issues that are underlying. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. But it is it is possible. There's hope. That's, mm-hmm. that's the message I want to give. There is hope. <laughs> so... And have you worked mostly with people here in the United States or have you also found nurses have reached out to you from outside the U.S.? Because we know burnout isn't, you know, Mm. limited to nurses in in the U.S., yeah, so I've worked with a lot of people here in the U.S. and um, I have worked with some in New Zealand. And I actually traveled to New Zealand earlier this year, um, so that was a fantastic experience. But it is a worldwide problem. You know, this is mm. not an isolated problem. It's it's a problem everywhere and in all facets, not just hospitals and really not even just nurses. This is any giving profession that we tend to put ourselves last and um, self sacrifice to the point of destruction, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're seeing the universality of it beyond the borders of our country. And Absolutely. I think we're all aware that it is pretty universal. And, you know, healthcare, I believe, is a beleaguered 
industry, mm-hmm. probably anywhere you turn, there might be a country somewhere where the system is, I don't know, more healthy, but it's hard for me to actually imagine. And it's kind of a sad statement to mm-hmm. think, you know, where is there somewhere in the world where their healthcare system is healthy and people feel really good doing the work they do? You know, that's, right. it's kind of sad and tragic to think that maybe that's, maybe that's really not happening anywhere at all. So you're, you're a nurse more than 15 years. Mm-hmm. You've been, you've been in the trenches of critical care and you said you were a really good ICU nurse. So you know what you're doing and you do. know you know where people are coming from. And after the break, what I'd like to talk about is some of the action steps people can take when they know that they're at that place. And I've been to that place too. I've talked about it on the show. And also what you foresee for the profession in the bigger picture, you know, because we can work with individuals like you and I do, mm-hmm. but there are some systemic things going on here, obviously, you know, because this isn't isolated. Right. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your vision and what you see as possible and some other things we would like to discuss and um, talk a little bit about the power of meditation as well. So hang in there with us. We'll be right back for the second half of episode 449 of the Nurse Keith Show with Betsy Thompson, Immersive Meditation Guide and Growth Coach. See you in a moment. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again on episode 449 with friend of the pod and my new friend and colleague, Betsy Thompson. And Betsy, prior to the break, we were talking about the universality of these issues and how you and I both experienced it. We know it's out there all around the world. It's not limited to just nurses in here in the US. And you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot. and you said you worked in ICU, your critical care nurse, and you said you were really good ICU nurse. But I understand that you're doing something different now in terms of clinical work, patient care. So what is it you're doing and how did you get to your this new this new pursuit of yours? Sure. So I am actually doing in-home hospice now, um, part-time. And there's a few reasons for that. Um I was ready for a little change of pace. Um, and, you know, I, I am building this business and um, working on speaking at conferences and making this um, this issue of nurse burnout and the solutions for it. I'm trying to make it more known by speaking at conferences and, and various things, which is how I met you, right, Keith, at the American yeah. Nurses Association conference. Yeah. Um, so I needed something part-time. And uh, when I was looking at what I wanted to do next, I still wanted to be clinical. I absolutely still want to keep um, keep a pulse on clinical and patient care because that feeds my soul. Working with patients and their families still feeds my soul. That's why I became a nurse. So I have stepped into the realm of hospice where I can really um, foster those connections with people and just 
do more of the holistic aspect of nursing care, right? Using those care models and um, therapeutic listening and all the things that they touched upon in nursing school. Um, but it was like, you know, I, I needed to learn the anatomy. I needed to learn the skills. And so now that mm-hmm. I've got plenty of time of all that, it's really nice to use those other skills, those um, some people call them soft skills, um, but those interpersonal skills and really just comforting people um, in one of their most vulnerable times. So that's really wonderful. I've done hospice as well, and it's a wonderful window into someone's life on a very intimate level. You know, when you walk into someone's home as a home health nurse or a hospice nurse or yes. whatever you're doing, and you're you're in their castle, you know, you're in their mm-hmm. space. And you have to sort of like adjust to whatever the energy is in the home and kind of like make yourself part of the the scene there. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, you, you have to take charge on a certain level, but on another level, it's so different than inpatient or even outpatient, like in a clinic, because you're a guest and right. it is an interesting, intimate um experience. And I'm curious because of your skills in meditation and guiding people, and now you're working in hospice, which is, you know, has a hospice has this contemplative kind of aspect because you're not trying to fix anything, except you're trying to keep someone comfortable and alleviate their pain and suffering and the suffering of the family and loved ones. Have you been able to bring in your skills of meditation and mindfulness directly into your care? So I am working on that um, because all of my experience has been in the hospital. uh, The shift to in-home hospice has been a completely new realm for me. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it is someone else's castle and not having the supply closet to turn to for things has been a real challenge to kind of wrap my head around. So I haven't formally used the meditation with my patients or their families yet. Mindfulness, absolutely. Um, Spiritual Mm -hmm. reflection, absolutely. You know, I feel much more comfortable bringing up those conversations of unfinished business. A lot of people, when they get to the end of life, they're really concerned about this unfinished business because there's just such a finality to the end of life, right? But it's these things that we're always not always, but many people are fearful to talk about um, when you're going about your life or even the family fearful to talk about it at the at the end of life because they don't want to, whatever it is, um, scare the patient or, or you know, whatever the, the context is. But coming in and making it feel more normal and um, conversing about those existential kind of things that Most people, you know, the universality of it is that most people are thinking about those things, right? They're contemplating those on some level as it is. So to bring in that um, ability and that comfort to be able to address those things has been really nice. And I do intend on expanding um, my practice with that. Um, I've only been with hospice a very short time, so... trying to get those skills under my belt before I um, kind of bring in that meditation piece. But I have intentions of uh, Mm -hmm. bringing it to my colleagues, especially, and and kind of guiding the practice into the homes too. That's lovely. And I think it's a great milieu for you to do that. And, you know, 
in terms of working with people, I can just picture, like I know you record personalized meditations for your clients who work mm -hmm. with you. I can Thank just you. picture in a hospice and palliative care type of setting, you recording meditations for the family and loved ones and or the patient, you know, that they yeah. can, you can be with them when you're not physically in the home anymore. And they can, they can take that with them, you know, in between your visits. So I, I just had this flash on, you yeah. know, the ways in which that could be incorporated and totally within the realm of nursing too, gotta say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's all these other, um, you know, the holistic aspect of nursing is beyond just the, the, the clinical things that we look at, the scientific, you know, the alternative therapies and stuff, which do have scientific backing, by the way, um, mm -hmm. those things can just come into play with comfort and ease. I'm actually um, working with uh, a former client of mine, a nurse who is now certified in aromatherapy and working with her to make some sp specific hospice blends of aromatherapy to bring into practice. So, you know, my vision, um, because I think big sometimes, is mm -hmm. to bring about this whole other paradigm of care into, into the realm of hospice. And I mean, ultimately into hospitals, you know, we're starting to see the value in these alternative therapies and these other these other things that are scientifically supported to help with all aspects of a, of a person. You know, we aren't just cells in a body that have processes and pathologies. You know, we are made up of energy and we are made up of emotions and, and thoughts and ideas and all these things that if we can work with it from all different angles, we can actually alleviate suffering and and help people find relief from all these different avenues. And, and it's complex, you know, it's multimodal. So we can come at it from all these directions and ultimately, you know, help people find more peace and more relief and heal faster and all these great things that when you become a nurse, that's like the dream, right? I want to help my patients. And so if mm -hmm. we can help our patients in all these ways that we're not even tapping into the full possibilities, like how amazing would that be, right? Talk about the constructs of healthcare being a little shaky right now. If we have all these things within our power, how amazing would it be if we could use them? Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways in which we could tackle this particular topic, which we don't have time and we don't have the breadth of, um, I don't know, this this particular episode, we could go in so many directions, right? But I want to focus on what right, you're doing. Right. But it just makes me think of like, you know, there's this push for, you know, nursing care to actually be reimbursable within the hospital right. and not not just be part of the cost of room and board with nursing, you know, right. and then you could have an aromatherapy consultation that gets called in as a specialist and Medicare pays for it. You know, there's all these different ways mm. in which rather than us just having to like sneak it in here and there, you know, right, where if, right. if it could become part of like part of the fabric of how patient care is delivered and people are like, oh, let's bring in aromatherapy for this patient. Mm -hmm. And the doctor, you know, signs off on a consultation and, and right. this mechanism turns and, and people like you Get. Yeah, meditation, guided imagery. It's yeah. being used in some um, pre and post-op in, in different hospitals mm -hmm. throughout the country to help with um, post-op pain management and has been mm -hmm. highly effective. And these are non, 
non-pharmaceutical ways that we can help. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, holistic nursing has only been recognized as a, as a specialty of nursing since 2006. So we're still mm-hmm. in the infancy phases, which is why I think so many nurses don't even know it exists, but it's, it's an amazing modality. And just to give you a little taste of, of what, um, meditation and guided imagery can do. I would love it if you would just close your eyes for a moment, Keith. Absolutely. And for the listeners out there, if it's safe to do so, go ahead and close your eyes for just a moment here and begin to breathe in and out through your nose. And as you breathe, feel your rib cage just expand as you inhale deeply and contract as you exhale fully. Slowing the breath down a bit. Feeling your muscles soften with each exhalation. Notice the edges of your eyes and let them melt. Release your jaw so it falls slightly open. And drop your shoulders away from your ears. With each breath, inviting in more relief, comfort, peace, stillness. Finding whatever it is that you need more of today and breathing that in deeper. And as you breathe that feeling in, just feel it stretch out through every cell of your body. Letting it fill you up reinvigorate you, replenish you. And as you continue to breathe nice and slow, deep focused breaths, knowing that you can invite these feelings into your day every day by just pausing. Getting still and breathing. Taking one more nice big breath as your focus comes to settle right behind your eyelids. And go ahead and gently blink your eyes open. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. I hope some of the listeners took part in that and they have the uh, benefit of being able to rewind and listen to (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That was really wonderful. Your voice is amazing. And so... I feel great. And when when you work with clients one-on-one, 
how does the process work? Like you get to know them and, you know, you kind of listen and then you sort of know how you're going to guide them in a personalized meditation. How does that, how do you put that all together? Sure. So, you know, I work with people in different capacities um, Mm because I work with a lot of people that aren't nurses and that don't have burnout. Um, And when it comes to just people looking for a one-off meditation, um, I have them fill out a survey and kind of see what they're looking for. And then I chat with them for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes to see what they're really looking for. And then I customize a meditation that they can take with them and listen to. And that's one of the cool things about meditation is you get something different from it every time that you listen to it because you're in a different space, right? A different headspace, a different emotional space. For my uh, nurse burnout program, for my nurses in, in particular, I go with those things that I have noticed we all kind of suffer from, you know, the self-talk, the boundary issues, the values, priorities, goals, balancing energy. And again, they fill out a pretty extensive survey so that I can see where we need to focus more on. But then we go through these hour, hour and 15 minute sessions, and um, it involves coaching, meditation, talking, journaling. There's a lot of that. And they get to do meditations in there that are customized just for them in the moment from what they're saying. But then I also have a recorded meditation that goes along with the same topic that they get to take and build their library. So there's this huge value because there's they come out on the other side with uh, 15 um, personalized meditations that they can take anywhere wow. from three minutes. That is like the, oh, crap, I need a break. Like, tell your colleague that you need a a three minute break, go hide in the bathroom and do this reset meditation to um, a 30 minute sleep meditation, you know? So there's a whole gamut of a library that they walk away with that is tailored to what their needs are. So it's an extensive Hmm. process. You know, it's, it's, this isn't, like I said, this isn't a a quick fix. (laughs) This is meant to be the the real deal, the long haul fix, the, uh, you know, the, the real solution. I get that. Yeah. So they really walk away with a lot when they work with you and you call it um, healing healthcare hearts. I do. Because it's, you call it growth coaching. And I'm curious, is growth coaching something of your, is that your own um, concept? It is. is. And, and I call it that because, you know, I personally feel like I should always be growing. I I never Mm -hmm. get to the finish line with learning and changing. And I am also highly inspired by nature and trees. And so I really wanted it to be a very earthy feel, which if you look at my logo is the same kind of deal. And really lovely. Yeah. yeah. And so like my place is in nature. I'm a tree hugger. I like all that stuff. So um, growth just it, you know, it it just sounded uh, nurturing and not like, you know, like it was another task. Right. Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it's far from um you know um financial coaching and right, know, right. things that are more task-based and left-brained though there is a left-brained aspect to oh, this, absolutely. Right? because there's there's things and strategies you're learning absolutely. But then there's also a lot of right brain yes. that we're connecting with, right? Right. And, and the I'm a, a complete science nerd too. So I mean, mm-hmm. even this 
you know, this presentation I just gave at the at the conference was very sciencey. It was uh, I I am a science nerd, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, research that comes into it, and I do come in with a lot of facts and stuff, but we can't take that in and and really make the permanent changes in our body unless we have that right brain as well, right? It's it's the things, yeah. the emotional things that when we connect that emotion to it, that's when it sticks. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Do you have plans to create? I, I know you were speaking at conferences. You and I both met at the ANA Michigan, where we were both speaking. Yeah. But do you have plans to work with organizations like in the in the big picture, like a hospital system or a health system or a, a group of physicians and nurses who bring you in? Do you want to create courses and actually? kind of teach face-to-face as well and kind of work on that bigger systemic level? I do. So another pa- do. A, another passion of mine is teaching. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the roles that I had in the ICU was as ICU educator throughout my various years. So I, I just thrive to get in front of people and just help them get that aha moment. Um, right now, there is a big push for nurse wellness, right? Nurse well-being because of the pandemic. And there are a lot of things out there that organizations are putting into place. Um, one of the things that really drew me to you when you were giving your presentation is you talked about cookie cutter solutions. Like there's a lot of cookie cutter solutions out there that may have their place to get people started, uh, but we're not cookie cutters, right? We all have our own things. We have commonalities, but we're not cookie cutters. And so it is challenging right now with healthcare looking at the revenue, the cost revenue, they're looking for something quick and easy. And that's the solutions that are available right now is the the big programs that are just the, the point and click, the videos. Um, so it's been challenging for administrations to see the value in the uh, more powerful individual solutions. Um, but ultimately, yes, that is that is my goal is to get into hospitals so that I can help units at a time. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these things can be unit based, like looking at your core values and your goals and priorities from a right brained and a heart level as a unit that can really drive all of your, you know, all of your goals and all of your metrics because nurses inherently work caring individuals. When we have our heart into it and behind it, we get things done. Mm-hmm. So there's really value for organizations to look at these different approaches and stuff, in my opinion, right? In my experience, when there's heart behind it, mountains move. Mm-hmm. So yes, ultimately, I have the goal of getting into an organization. And I mean, it would be fantastic if I could start um, wellness practices in organizations, not only for staff, but for patients too. So uh, in the works is some courses to get people familiar with me because I understand that, you know, if you don't know me, it's hard to trust and have that that experience. So, you know, there are some things coming down the pike here that will um, increase touch points so that people get more comfortable with this type of modality so that they may want to bring in and, and do more of an organizational level. That's great. And I was picturing in the back of my mind, like a pilot study on a unit or two units, and then, you know, 
of course, they need to measure things. Absolutely. So, you know, if you have mm-hmm. surveys and you have ways Absolutely. in which you could measure people's emotional health and their spiritual well-being and their right. sense of burnout and compassion fatigue and come back with numbers mm-hmm. and, you know, show the effect on people's productivity and attrition and sick days and, you know. Retention. <laughs> retention. It would have to be an organization would need to make a little bit of an investment and, you know, they're willing to invest in some things. And these mm. are the things that we're all been, we've all been calling for, for organizations to invest in is, you know, concepts and practices and strategies and, and interventions that really work, you know, right. not just telling people to go home and take a bath, you know, and right, light a right. candle. I mean, we need right. to go a little bit further. Exercise. <laughs> Exercise yeah. and eat better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Solved. Yeah. Right. Solved. solved. <laughs> yeah. Case closed. Same thing we so, learned in nursing school. <laughs> yeah. And right. And as we're winding down, I wanted to ask you, we just talked about this systemic issue and what we could do, you know, on an organizational level. What's your vision for the profession? Like, let's let's just zero in on nursing. And mm-hmm. I know you mentioned holistic nursing mm-hmm. and how it's been recognized since 2006. But in terms of the work you do and the people you work with and your observations as a nurse and all these years of experience and life that you've lived, do you, is there something you're seeing that you would love to see manifest for our profession? Oh man, yes. Uh-huh. I would love if we turn some of that love and care and compassion onto ourselves as a profession, right? Mm-hmm. And really just hold the value of taking care of ourselves so we can continue to take care of others. Um, and a lot of that is addressing all of the trauma that we have been through as a profession that we experience on a daily basis. If we don't process those experiences, even though they're normal, right? To see someone die or to do CPR is a, is a normal thing in the ICU. That is expected. But if we don't process that on all the levels, it stays with us in a way that affects us beyond what we understand. So even just creating the conversation around treating us as holistic people, holistic practitioners, as well as practicing holistic nursing for our patients and our families and our colleagues, right? So there was a a shift back in, I want to say it was like the 50s, where holistic was put on the shelf for scientific, right? And so Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a happy medium. We swung the pendulum too far the other way. We swung the pendulum too far. There's a happy medium somewhere in the middle where we absolutely need scientific evidence and inquiry. Like you were saying, numbers, numbers move things. But we also need to have that blend of of the caring models and the compassion models and the um, attention to the conversation and the emotions. And and there's, there's a medium, there's a happy medium somewhere that we need to get back to, I think, for the nursing profession. And, and we've made a great... You know, the pandemic was really terrible, but the one thing that it has absolutely done is brought the conversation to the fressing these issues of mental, emotional, spiritual health. So if there was one thing for the profession, I would say is like, let's find the middle of, of marrying the the wellness, compassion conversation with the scientific physiology stuff. So Betsy, we've, we've, I feel like we've summed up pretty well 
the the world that you're walking in you know you're you're doing hospice you're leading people in personalized meditations helping nurses and others recover from burnout and feel better and find this new well it's actually not new it's an ancient strategy and technique but you're bringing it into a space where people can use it and you're seeing you're really seeing results aren't you I really am. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with several nurses that have just had, you know, some people come in with a lot of trepidation and a lot of um, just disbelief, but they're open to it. And they've had some really amazing results. I've had uh, several clients that have had just life altering results. Mm -hmm. And I stay in touch with them because it's hard not to help somebody transform something that greatly and not stay in touch, you know? Yeah. And I just want to ask you, like, when someone is in that state, right? They're really at that, let's call it a breaking point. And mm-hmm. they're they're brittle, they're burnt, they're crispy, and things just feel like they've gotten out of hand. And they they feel like they've really gotten the short end of the stick and they're feeling awful. And when you bring meditation into your life, do other things follow like when you start to meditate and change what's happening inside you, do people then change other parts of their lives, like maybe the way they eat or their relationships? Like, what are some of the um, sequelae? You know, once once you sure. like bring meditation into your life. Sure, I think um, you know it has effects that you can't even predict. Mm-hmm. So it's impossible to say that it's just going to be the silo effect that it's just going to like uh, improve your career path or or whatever, um, because really we're changing the filter through which you see the world. And when you change the filter through which you experience and see the world, it changes every aspect of your life. So I, you know, commonly what I see is is people we're focusing on when we're focusing on burnout that career path those things that affect that. But the the first place most people see it is in the relationships at home and in the people that are closest to them. And they start seeing those relationships differently in their roles and the other people's roles and and those things differently. So usually the effects that they feel are there first. And then, you know, it it does ripple out um, into all aspects. But yes, sleep is always something that is improved greatly, um, the patterns. And, and then you just want to change those other areas of your life because you feel so much better. You're not coping with the food and the TV and the, you know, those things that we use to numb out. So it it does, it, it has a cascading effect of just positivity overall. Right. So contrary to what we might think like, oh, meditation is going to help me relax. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to feel less anxious and, you know, I'll be a little more chill, you know, um, I might not need a glass of wine at night. Right, um, right. There's there's a ripple effect that you can't even predict what will right. happen in a person's life. And we're not saying like they're going to get divorced and move to Bali. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> right. well, I mean, they could if they wanted they could. to. But <laughs> they yeah. could. <laughs> hey, why not? Right. But at least, you know, small things may change, but big things might change too. Right. 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 Yeah. And so you're and you're working with people and seeing it and getting the feedback. And I know people can go to roamingroots.org to mm-hmm. find your beautiful website. Thank you. And they can um watch the 
watch the um, training, right? There's a mm-hmm. training on there they can watch. There's, mm-hmm, there's a, a video of of what it is and what I'm all about and stuff. So yeah, yeah. to get more information. Right. And then on Facebook and Instagram, you're Roaming Roots LLC. And then you're also on LinkedIn. And the the URL is too long to say, but it'll it'll be in the show notes. It'll be linked in the show notes. So people can find you there. And I think you're aware that at the end of each episode, I ask four quick lightning round questions that basically have nothing to do with anything we've been talking about, more or less. And I'm assuming you're game for those, right? I am. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, but I'm game. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, spontaneity is what it's all about. Though, you know, guests who've listened to the show can practice if they want to and take notes. So the first one is, how do you define success personally and or professionally? So this one I actually did think about because it made me reflect on how, how I define success. And for me... Success, both personally and professionally, is, I think, uh, getting to my goals, accomplishing what I set out to accomplish without sacrificing um, my values or the things that are most important to me. So in the professional world, it'd be showing up for a job and being the best I can be for my patients and their families and not overgiving, not uh, depleting my energy stores. And so that would mean success to me. And same in my personal life, you know parenting and doing the school activities and all those things without reaching that or beyond the point of my my personal abilities and and energy stores. Right. So. Like we're recording this on Halloween and you have costumes <laughs> to make for your yes. kids and trick-or-treating <laughs> to do. And yeah. So there's lots of things to do as a working mom and yes. a and a wife and a professional. So um that's I think that's that's great to measure it by how you feel about how the tenor of your days are and how mm-hmm. how your life proceeds. So the second question is, can you name or describe a person who's inspired you in your life? And they can be living or dead, famous, or just someone in your personal life. Ooh, I'm going to be a little cliche on this one. I have to say my dad. Go for it. Tell us about your dad. I have to say my dad. My dad was notoriously a workaholic for um, most of my growing up years. And in his uh, middle and later part of his life, he really just completely transformed into this whole different person and is so in the now, um, now and meditates and, and does all these things that not only is it an example of what I can put into practice in my life now so that I can get those things now, um, but also that great change is 100% possible in a person. So, yeah, I would have to say that he's he's definitely been an inspiration for me. That's wonderful. Lots of people mention grandmothers and mothers, but mm-hmm. some have mentioned dads, and I think that's lovely. Okay, third question. Is there a book or even a movie not necessarily an absolute favorite because I couldn't really nail that down myself. That's just affected the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you approach your work and relationships, or even how you approach your parenting, anything. Just a recommendation, something that moves you. I would have to say there's probably two. When Mm -hmm. I was 20, I think I was in college, I read Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Miss. And yeah. 
that just absolutely changed my world and put me on a path of of this um, otherworldly, you know, like the energy stuff and all that. And it opened a door for me for sure back in my in my 20s. And then probably more recently with this next wave of spiritual um, finding and seeking would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, those are probably the two. Well, I mean, Carolyn Mason, Eckhart Tolle, I mean, they're thought leaders in Mm -hmm. that particular space, and Mm -hmm. they've got a lot to say, and a lot of people have benefited from them. And, you know, they're, they're definitely apart from all the kind of pop psychology world and self-help world yeah. you know they they just have fascinating to read yeah yeah there's much more gravitas to mm-hmm. to their their particular like ways of seeing the world you know mm-hmm. yeah all right so speaking of the world your last question is oh if you were named queen of the world tomorrow on let's say November 1st, 2023, the day after we record this. (laughs) What's one of the first things you would want to do to improve the lives of your subjects? But you need to bear in mind that you would have ultimate power. So you don't have to do it all at once. But what would you want to do first if you had your druthers? Ali, okay, so I don't have an answer for this one. I Mm -hmm. don't. I, I would probably make a mandatory rest day for everybody. Everything closes for a whole day. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's because awesome. I think we just undervalue um, rest and stillness so much that it's just a, a necessary thing. So so you want to bring back the, the, um, the siesta and the mental health day? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, we always, we have this thing where culturally you have to call in sick Mm. and if you're just feeling down or you're feeling like you just you're just not yourself or you just need a break you know you have to call and like almost pretend you're sick right right and maybe you are maybe you could say quote unquote you're sick spiritually or something but Mm. i just feel like we can't be honest and just say you know i just need a break you know so yeah I think you'd be an awesome queen of the world because we could just, you know, everybody could have a day to chill out. And that's from, from the factory worker and farm worker to the, you know, manager and CEO, like everybody would have it. Yeah. Well, this has been so lovely. I am so, so, I'm so thrilled that we met at ANA Michigan and, you know, we connected quickly and, um, you know, I was like, man, you've got to be in my podcast, girl. So <laughs> I think it's great that we just made this happen so, so fast. And I want to wish you and your family a wonderful 2024 and Thank holidays. You. And, you know, I want everyone here to go to roamingroots.org and check you out and get a personalized um, meditation from you and and learn from you because I think you have so much to offer and I'm going to be singing your praises on the interwebs. Well, thank you, Keith. And thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes are always at nursekeith.com, but they're also in the show notes in any app where you happen to be listening. Please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Please head over to roamingroots.org and on Facebook and Instagram, go to Roaming Roots LLC and please like and comment and follow. 
our friend Betsy and make sure she feels some love for being here on the Nurse Keys show. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. If you need personalized career coaching to elevate your nursing career, look no further than nursekeith.com and nursekeith coaching. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. You can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nursekeith. We are proud members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com and Rob Johnston is our stalwart producer and editor over at 520R Podcasting. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by Brene Brown, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and chilly Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the inimitable Betsy Thompson saying arrivederci from Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side.